Stephanie. <laughs> We're in New York City. Uh, I'm so happy. I feel like I'm home. Well, you are because you're from the East Coast. Yeah, but I feel like home in my heart. Should we tell people what they're listening to? A podcast called That's a Retrograde? Exactly. They're like, I just stumbled upon this in the internet. <laughs> and where am I? Who are these people? If that catchy theme song didn't give it away, we're here. Yeah. This is me, Stephanie Sambari. And who are you? I'm Elizabeth Cott. Oh. Um, and we're here in New York City taking the show on the road. I love it. Yeah, I'm just so... walking around these streets, singing the Rent soundtrack to the best of our ability. Honestly. At the top of our lungs. You're so cute in New York. This morning we were leaving to go to our first place we had to go to. And Elizabeth is like, honestly, I feel like we should take a car. I'm like, no, listen. I okay? didn't want to be late. I know, but I'm like, it's not like the train takes a long time. You're like, I don't want to get out my wallet and have to buy a subway card. Like, in her mind, like, it all takes so long. It does take long. I was long. like, we got to strap on your boots and get out there, kid. This is New York City. Your hand's dirty. You're right. <laughs> this this Michigan girl just. She's just traipsing along just with her wide eyed <laughs> in five inch platforms like yeah. a dick. Yeah, that's me. Five inch platforms in a huge bag. Backpack. It's one of the cutest things I've ever yeah. seen. Well, we got in last night. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we're pre-recording this, so we got in when we got in. We, we got in, in in an evening. In the evening, and then we got off the plane, and we went right to this new meditation studio, Mindful. Mm-hmm. That's no vowels. No vowels. M N D F in Greenwich Village, and the founders of that beautiful studio are our guests today. They'll be on a bit later. That's Ellie Burrows and. Lodro Rinsler. Jeez. I'm I dare sorry, you guys Lodro. to try to say Lodro Rinsler 10 times fast. Job is hard. Yeah. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. Hanukkah's upon us. Oh. The biggest bullshit Jewish holiday of the Stop! year. Stop. I hate when you say that. Honestly, as like a half Jew, raised half Jew, to me, Hanukkah was the, the best holiday. Why are you hating well, on Hanukkah? As a full Jew, I'll tell you that for me, it was like a. We're so sorry that all your other friends are celebrating Christmas and you can't get involved. Uh, what happened around this time that we can pull from to maybe give you guys an opportunity to get presents? The Festival too? of Lights. They made they made it work for eight days. They no kept one the cares about the burning. Maccabees. All right, let's the Maccabees are heroes. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. But I'm saying I don't think it would be as like thrust into the limelight if it weren't for Christmas. Well, then. Instead of complaining you, that you don't have Christmas, you should be happy that you have anything at all. You ungrateful Jewish girl <laughs> from the Midwest. Namaste. <laughs> um, no, I, I do love Hanukkah. I love the Festival of Lights. It's I feel really like your nice. parents really messed it up for you because they gave you they didn't give you a gift a night. They did give me a gift a night, but I would have one dope gift, so I'd get like the bicycle, right, on the first night. As kids do. Yeah. And then everything right. else, it would be like, I remember one year I got a locker mirror, like night six. And My I was mom like, used to give okay. me like artisan colored pencils, like whittled out of trees. And I'm just like, what? Where do you buy like, these? Things? They were just like tchotchkes, like by night five. It was just so silly. Yeah. But I mean, I'm all for it. I love any time to celebrate and like learn about. The history of your culture and religion, like why not? A good reason to sing in Hebrew and eat a lot of food. Bro. I mean, yeah. I don't go around singing in Hebrew, but right, but you can every now and again. I like to, you know, like it's fun. We've got a natural canter right here. Um, so I'm in. Do you have a Hanukkah wish this year? I can't say it on air. <laughs> I already know what it is. I'm going to say it. She wants to get her vagina touched. <laughs> I really do. Anybody out there who's listening, 
That's great. Are I you, want peace I'll on just Earth. let anyone to say, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Right. I've already got that other part unlocked. Yeah, so exactly. It's fine. You can't have peace on Earth without the other thing. Yeah. Which I'm not going to repeat because it's gross. Speaking of peace say. on Earth, let's welcome our guests. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Ellie Bros and Lodro Rinsler. Well, you did it. Yay. Welcome to the show. I'm an orator. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You're the founders of a recently opened meditation studio here in New York City. Yeah, that's what everyone keeps telling us. Mindful. (laughs) Mindful. No syllables. Or no no vowels. vowels. (laughs) Syllables, yes. Vowels, no. We couldn't afford them. Right. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Jeopardy jokes. Expensive, man. Wheel of Fortune jokes, I think. Damn, I don't know my game shows. But I want to focus on the studio, but let's hear about backgrounds first. Great. Yeah. So I um, was born and raised Buddhist. My parents started practicing meditation when they were in their 20s. So it was just in the household for me. And I started meditating when I was six years old, not because anyone asked me to. I just sort of like sat down and thought that's what you do as a kid. Mm. I didn't know any better. And there weren't any good cartoons on. And um, grew up, started doing more meditation, particularly in my teen years. I ran off to a monastery for a summer when I was 17 years old, shaved my head, (laughs) took the robes, the whole nine yards, and then... Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. <laughs> More like uh, Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if people have ever heard of uh, Pema Children, it was her her abbey, her monastery. Where was that? Um, Nova Scotia. It's really pretty, like really right mm. on the water, beautiful um, waterfront property if you're going to go live as a monk. And, um, <laughs> That's chill. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good trade-off. And then I came back. And I was in college, so I was also, like, doing keg stands and balancing that with the pretty serious meditation practice. Hmm. And thought I was the only one that was, like, a young person meditating and struggling with that. And that's ultimately what led to my first book, which was called The Buddha Walks Into a Bar, um, which was basically that. Like, how do we balance a spiritual life with, I know that you guys like whiskey, you know? Like, how can we do both? How can we relate this to our romantic life, our work life, everything? And then I um, oversaw nonprofit meditation centers for a number of years before... Ellie basically like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, I've got a really good vision for something. I was raised in LA, and so when I was growing up, I felt like there were only three professions you went into, the entertainment business, the medical profession, or the legal profession. Um, (laughs) And so I took my chance on the entertainment business. I went to Northwestern for film school and went right into the William Morris mailroom um, and worked my way up and became an executive, you know, about like, Five to seven years later, and William Morris is a talent agency. Yeah, but I didn't. But I didn't work at William Morris the whole time. I really only lasted there. Like I got out of the mailroom four weeks, lasted there a year. Went on to work for a producer named Ted Hope. Um, took my first year off actually to study with a shaman in 2010. Went back to work, um, and then yeah, I worked at Synetic Media, which was a film financing and sales firm, and I sold um, movies at a film festivals. But outside of that life. Every single moment of free time was spent, you know, like in pursuit of consciousness or exploring my own personal spirituality. Every free, free moment I could have, that's what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to do. So my bosses and mentors said to me, you know, I think you're doing the wrong thing. Um, (laughs) I think you're using your powers for evil. Um, You should consider starting all over again as a writer. Um, And so I listened to them. I quit my job. I went around the world as a spiritual tourist, Bali, Bhutan, Thailand, Cambodia, Japan. I did India. Um, and then I came back through Europe 
I've never heard that term spiritual tourist and I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I re- awesome. yeah, it was really about going and seeing the things that you couldn't see in other mm. places mm-hmm. in the world, um, of the world, in the world, on the world. <laughs> and um, it's kind of like going and touching and feeling and, and seeing and having the trip really be about that and sort of what you felt in each place. So came back, got my coaching certificate from NYU because I wanted my writing to come from like a less judgmental place and make sure I was appealing to all readers. Coaching, like life coaching? Yeah, like personal life coaching. Okay. Um, and started volunteering for Lodro at the Institute for Compassionate Leadership, his nonprofit, to fill my days when I wasn't coaching clients or writing articles. Um, and I was having a lot of trouble sitting in my home meditating. I came to the breath through a practice called ecstatic breath work. Um, it's a really dynamic, <laughs> sort of euphoric practice. Stephanie hates it. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's not my vibe. Oh, sure. So, yeah, it's a it's an active breath work practice where it involves taking three large deep breaths and ho- holding it on the fourth one. Um, and you do this over and over and over again, sometimes more often than not to music. And you, you create a sense of euphoria in the body. And you generally do it with either one-on-one or in groups. Get high on your own supply, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It, it <laughs> It really is getting high on your own supply. Yeah, and that's how I came to the breath. And so meditation was a much more static and stoic practice in a lot of ways. And I was having a hard time with it. So Lodra and I were having tea at the Soho house about 18 months ago. And I said to him, you know, um, having a lot of trouble sitting in my house. I want to order Fresh Direct and clean out my closet and respond to emails and <laughs> watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> like meditation is really low on my priority list. How come there's no place I can go? Like I would go to Body by Simone or to get my nails done in the city where I could drop in um, and hold myself accountable or schedule it ahead of time on my schedule for meditation. And he said, that's a really great idea. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, I just had this theory that like with meditation becoming more and more popular, that at some point it was going to transcend religious boundaries and just be more in the vein of like a lot of yoga studios. It's a practice that we do and you can study the philosophy, sure, but sometimes you just want to do the practice. And when Ellie approached me and basically said, you know, I've got a beautiful idea for the design and what it could look and feel like, I knew I had a good partner because I can do the content. You know, I've taught meditation worldwide for the last 15 years, but when it comes down to the aesthetic, I have no effing clue what it should look like. So, <laughs> uh, and she built something that's really quite beautiful in Thank terms you. of um, a place that looks, feels comfortable and accessible for anyone that want to try that wants to give it a try. Yeah, I thought about what would be the optimal environment for myself, like as if I were the target client. And then I kind of went from there. And I said to Lodro, you know, yeah, please bring me all the teachers and the content because I could never never do that myself. And also Lodro is so, he's, I call him quality control, right? So if he's building the space, so many other incredible teachers who are just like steeped in integrity will follow him um, because he knows what he's talking about and he knows what he's doing. And they also trust that their traditions will be preserved and that what you're learning is absolutely authentic and not sort of watered down or something that someone made up six weeks ago and they're teaching you, you know, a pra- sort of a practice from that. So it's really, you know, 2,000 plus, 5,000-year-old traditions and techniques that people are learning in the space. It's wonderful. We had the pleasure of dropping by there yesterday, and it was such an incredible shift to go from spending the day on an airplane to <laughs> getting into the city and then being able to just sit quietly. You mentioned, Lodro, the, the growing popularity of meditation and, and the growing understanding for the need of it and the importance of it. What would you say to people who haven't tried it and who haven't seen a need for it in their lives? How would you advise them to get involved? Well, there's this new place that just opened in Lower Manhattan. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, 
It is. It's, we build it for many different types of people, existent practitioners, people who have tried it, meditation a little bit through yoga. But for that sort of person, we get a lot of like stressed out finance dudes that walk in and they're like, my wife, my therapist, my mother has said, I need to shoot, I need to do something. I'm too stressed out. I'm angry all the time. Maybe this will help. And that's, they love it for whatever reason. They're coming all the time. So we're, we have a wide different, very different type of personalities that come in the door. But I love that one in particular because it's the people that would never try it anywhere else. So why are they coming in? Or like, what should, why should someone try meditation? These days, there's all the science around it. You know, it's like, it actually says that just a little bit of meditation every day increases the gray matter in your hippocampus. So you actually have better focus, better memory, less stress, all these things. It's actually like scientifically proven that meditation rewires your brain and makes you a healthier and human being. For me personally, I mean, I'll just give you an honest answer. It helps me show up more fully and authentically in my day-to-day life. So if I'm actually here with you, I'm not actually mentally at work. I'm here. Mm -hmm. If I'm out with friends and I'm having a good time, I'm there with them. If I'm holding a loved one's hand in the hospital, I'm there with them. So it helps me show up more authentically for both the pleasurable and painful parts of my life, all of it, really. And I feel like people like the guy that you're describing, like I know so many people who are like, everyone's telling me to meditate. And then what do they do? They like Google something and then they try to sit uncomfortably Mm -hmm. in their home and there's no control to it. And I think that because it is so difficult to sit quietly, it's really easy to be like, okay, I did that for two minutes and now I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. And it never really like, so to have a space where you can like, I think scheduling it is so interesting. It's such like a modern way to approach it. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, do you have a yoga mat in your house? Yeah. How often do you practice yoga in your house with that mat? A lot. She's, oh, she's so you're, <laughs> you're the first person yeah. to answer. No, yeah, okay. I'm probably. But, yeah. but usually the, the answer yeah. to that yeah. question is no. Yeah. And yeah. some and someone's like, well, how often do you take that mat outside? And are you a, a trained yoga teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's different. And I, I actually did the teacher training, so I would be able to practice in your practice by myself. Totally. Nice. Yeah. Um, which is we have a funny story, which is that when we were hiring our Vedic meditation teacher, Emily Fletcher, who taught me Vedic meditation, at the time, neither one of us knew what Vedic meditation was. It's a different practice. Lodro is the youngest senior teacher in the Shambhala lineage. So this is a different practice. And I said, one of us has to know um, what this is if we're going to own a meditation studio. The inside track on Vedic stuff. Totally. So I went in (laughs) and I fell totally in love with it. And now I have no problem practicing in my house. And the irony is not lost on me that Mm -hmm. I built an entire meditation (laughs) studio. Uh, So I I can practice. Tell us there. <laughs> Vedic meditation comes from a 5,000 year old um, oral tradition called the Vedas. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been translated, they've been written down, but it's really an oral tradition. And Vedic meditation is a twice a day, 20 minute practice with a mantra that is given to you by your teacher. So, isn't that what transcendental meditation is? As very, well? very, very similar. Transcendental meditation comes from the same lineage as I like Vedic to think meditation. Of them as cousins. They're okay. cousins. Yeah. Cool. They're cousins. Um, cool. And the way I learned was just not in an organization like that. So last night when we we were able to catch the 7.30 class. and How was it? It was so lovely. Okay, I had a gentle cry. I really enjoyed it. Um, incredible. <laughs> we did our job correctly. Yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't know what it was. And then we got there and we saw it was a heart-oriented mm-hmm. workshop. So That's my favorite mindful yeah, offering. It was really lovely. So mm-hmm. you have different kinds of meditations that you offer. Can you talk a little bit about that? We have all different types of Buddhist teachers. We have Vedic teachers as... Ali was saying, we have Kundalini teacher, we have mindfulness-based stress reduction, we have Jewish meditation, all different types. And then within that, we've got 30 and 45-minute drop-in classes. That's all we do, really. You know, it's like we have some special events, but really the bulk of what we do is just simple guided meditations 
around, for example, mindful emotions. How do you work with strong emotions? Mindful heart. How do you do loving practice both for yourself and for others? Mindful breath. How do you actually like calm down? Mindful sleep. How do you prepare yourself for sleep and relax your body? So it's very oriented around what you might actually need to work on or what you would want to work on. And then the way I, for example, as a Buddhist teacher would do mindful breath is very different than our Kundalini person. He does more controlled breathing. I'm more like, hey, let's relax with the breath and be present with it. Very different effects on the mind and body. Mm-hmm. So we like to think of it as Meditation University in that people could take a wide variety of classes and figure out what works for them, what tradition right. they want to go deep with. Do you feel like you can talk to someone, like, so say I came in off the street and I told you who I was and told you what I did and kind of where I was stressed and all of those things, basically like a diagnostic thing. Would you Do you feel like you would be able to say maybe this is the one that's for you and like how would you approach something like that? Yeah, it depends. If someone says, for example, I'm having a really hard time sleeping, okay, fine, mindful sleep, pretty <laughs> of course, easy, right? right. But it's almost like, oh, you know who you might like to study with? This guy, Joshua Bialafia. He's really kind, really warm and enveloped, almost like a mother hen, but as like a big dude. And, um, <laughs> I like, like the description. It's really like based almost on like the energetics of what they might find and be able to hear from the best teacher that would work for them. In but fact, I mean, yeah, it happens every day, actually. I would say it's happened at least once a day mm-hmm. since we've opened. Someone new will come in and they'll say X, Y, and Z are what I'm currently struggling with or I've never practiced. Where should I start? And usually we direct them to Mindful 101, which is sort of like an overview of what occurs in the studio and breaks down meditation into three categories, meditation, contemplation, and visualization, which are three different things. And then it'll sort of explain the offerings. And then they'll come back out and we'll have the conversation again. Um, And usually just if you sit there and talk to them for five minutes, 10 minutes, you can get a vibe for what teacher they might be drawn to or because we all know our teachers so well. So you can kind of know maybe who their target teacher is and who that teacher's target audience is and I want to take you back just really quick because you said there's meditation, contemplation, Mm -hmm. and visualization. Could you, for our listeners and us also, just go into that a little bit? Totally. I'm going to pass this to my point guard. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This is like the second time today I've gotten to get really geeky about meditation. So meditation, meditation. It's like focusing on an object. We keep coming back to an object like the breath can keep us present, a mantra to actually keep coming back over and over again to a word or a phrase. So that's one type. Contemplation, a little bit different. We could contemplate an intention for the day. We have a mindful intentions class where you think through your day and then say, what quality do I want to bring to it? Patience, Mm. generosity, kindness, whatever. And that's actually guided so that you're contemplating what those things mean to you, analyzing what it looks like, and then acting it out. Visualization, it's, you know, it could be, for example, we're coming up on the new year, right? Um, A lot of stuff will probably be happening around visualizing what that year could look like, how you want to manifest in it, all of those sorts of things, but it's actually more guided imagery. And that's hold, how what you're holding your mind to is imagery as opposed to a word or a phrase or opposed to a, the breath. The object of the meditation can change, but it's, it's all very valid and different. Wonderful. Interesting. All of those seem so valuable. My question is, though, how do you sell this idea? Because there's something so tricky about the business of the wellness space. Do you see that being a barrier for like the man off the street who is just like, you want me to pay to sit to be quiet. I can do that in my apartment. We know how hard that is, but I can do that in my apartment. I won't really feel like I'm getting anything out of it unless I'm schwitzing. Or, you know? So do you see that? I feel like Jewish meditation would be really good for you. For that schwitzer? I think I know who to send it to. That's hilarious. You have that like one hour to carve out for yourself in that day, and it's how why why choose meditation over, let's say, the spin class. 
And do you see that as being a barrier? This is a good question. I have lots of answers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think about my life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a meditator. And so like presence is obviously something I'm always trying to cultivate, right? But I don't think I, of my life as only having one hour to do one thing in this one. You know, it's like, no, I have all week. I maybe have all year. So like I don't think about like today I'm going to choose meditation over body by Simone. Mm-hmm. I don't spin. So I'm going to go okay. with the dance cardio crowd. I'm so into the dance um, cardio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think about it in terms of A, I meditate every day. So that's a non-negotiable in my life. If mm-hmm. I'm going to show up, B, I own a meditation studio. So C, I have to meditate every single day right. or else I'm not like walking brand. the walk, yeah. you know, which is also a great, can I, can I be honest, is incredible for holding me to accountable for my own practice. So meditation is a non-negotiable. So it's not getting replaced with anything else in my day. But our days require different things of us at different times. And I think that's totally okay. So maybe one day something really rough is happening at work. And so the least helpful thing you could do is be hard on yourself about not going to spin or not meditating. Like the best thing you do is just be really gentle and kind and open with yourself about like, oh, today's just today's just a, a really hard day. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. if I And maybe my one hour needs to be me just being gentle towards myself, which is going home and not making myself go to the gym and schwitz it out, you know? Right. That's one answer. The second answer is that asking someone to make themselves accountable for quiet is, I think, an invaluable thing, which is, right, it's, it's, we can put a premium on that because that's so hard to find, especially when you live in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, in 2015, like wherever you are, we're all addicted to looking at totally. things. The one thing I would say that we have an advantage over living in New York City is that everything generally is accessible by a subway. So we don't have to get in our cars, you know, to, to drive for a 30-minute class. You can just get on a subway and somewhere between like 10 and 25 minutes, generally, maybe 45 if you're Lodro who lives in Australia, also known as Astoria. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to. He commutes 45 minutes. We have a running bet about how long it's going to take him to move back into Manhattan. That's (laughs) impressive. But anyway, so basically. He's chilling in Queens. He likes it. It's quiet. Um, But but I think that. It's quiet. Finding a place for peace and quiet. Go to Queens. Either go you to can Queens. totally go to Queens. Move to Queens. It's really yeah. far, though. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a commodity in this city. Yeah, yeah. Something it's quiet as a commodity. Someone walks in and they immediately kick off their shoes and relax. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did like, feel there's that. There's something environmental about the space that you walk in and you are already, like, the stress is rolling off your body in a way that a massage doesn't always do. So once you actually sit in and get into the class itself, ideally you walk out and you feel refreshed, like you hit reset on the day. Mm-hmm. So we're not selling anything. We're just making the space available for New Yorkers that want that are effing stressed out and just need a space that they can physically let go and just unwind. And to con- you know, to continue providing that space, we have to pay rent. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like you love the space, it makes you feel delicious, help us keep the business going so that we can to continue to create that. The, yeah. the design, Ellie, and of the space is really magnificent. Thank you. It's perfect. I can't, we can't go any further without giving a nice shout out to Home Polish okay. um, and their um, head of commercial design, Shelly Lynch-Sparks, who was like my 
dream partner in creating the space from the I beginning. Was not. <laughs> I no. was like, put the curtains anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Lojo's like, it's like, you know, like I just handed you the the, the gun at the registry thing. It was like, whatever you want, honey. <laughs> you know, like yes. that kind yeah. of like That's <laughs> that kind of mentality. But anyway, Shelly did an incredible job just executing and the vision and knowing exactly what I wanted. You know, because when you're getting a business off the ground and you're forming LLCs and dealing with insurance and hiring teachers and legal documents and also picking out like fixtures. These are not like painful problems, okay? But they but they require a lot of time. And so just having someone who totally understood what we were and what we were about is really, I mean, the space was created with so much love and care. And I think that's why people have the experience in it that they do. It makes it like, it's a perfect balance of like modern and tradition. Like you can feel that when you mm. go in. It's very clean, but then there's this like, yeah, that traditional like, ooh, am I in a Buddhist temple kind of? But like yeah, it's a fun in the future. <laughs> like yeah. all the teachers we've been talking about, it's like, so what I would normally do is an hour and a half talk and lecture and then like guided meditation. And then it's like, oh, I've got to condense this into a half hour or 45 minutes. I'm not going to use a lot of jargon. I'm not going to use a lot of like Tibetan terminology or Sanskrit words or any of it. I'm just going to talk plain English, try and meet people where they are, make this applicable to their everyday life, and then answer any questions they may have. Yeah, but I think what you feel, the reason you feel it's a sacred space is because we brought these incredibly masterful teachers off of their mountains and we're delivering them students off the streets, right, that would never climb the mountains or go to their religious center in the middle of the fashion district and climb 12 flights of stairs or whatever it is. And so we have this incredible cross-section of these, like, experts and beginners and and seasoned practitioners and so there is this like very devotional sort of um, non-religious atmosphere which I think is a really challenging thing to create yeah yeah for if any of our listeners I, mean, I know they're all pretty dialed in so they they like to dabble in meditation I I feel that but <laughs> um, if not have it as a ritual practice but let's say someone's listening who has has never meditated before Maybe, like, after they're done listening to this, they could do, like, a little 10 minutes of quiet. I feel like that would be beneficial for them. That would be. I mean, the most simple meditation that anyone can do is just taking an upright and dignified yet relaxed posture, just sitting maybe cross-legged on the floor, on your bed, whatever, and just connecting to the natural cycle of the breath and just coming back to that over and over again, not freaking out that you're starting to think about other things. You know, that happens to everyone. But just coming back and being centered and focused on the breath actually allows us to be more centered and focused with the rest of our life. So even 10 minutes would be really huge. That said, it is the holidays, right? So people want, mm-hmm. you're, you wake up and you've got to deal with your like stressful family <laughs> and the shopping lines and whatever else is coming up, right? When you wake up in the morning, to actually just think through without letting yourself like freak out about all the things you need to accomplish, just think through some of the things you've got to do. And then just reflect very briefly on what quality you want to cultivate that day. So if you know that you've got a lot of meetings Mm. with a lot of, like, annoying people, it might be patience. If you know that you're going to be volunteering some time and meeting with some people, you might just say generosity. Whatever you think you might need to bring into that day. And then you can keep coming back to that almost like a mantra throughout the day. You know, patience, patience. I actually think it's helpful. Sometimes I wear a little wrist mala, which is just a like 21 beads, uh, and it's pretty subtle, and I can actually just take it off like before I go into a meeting, or um, sometimes I'll set a little reminder on my phone that it'll pop up on my calendar and say, patience, so I actually remember it. And you can just keep coming back to that, and then you bookend it. At the end of the day, you can reflect back and say, all right, how did I do? 
And this isn't the time that you beat yourself up and say, oh, I was a jerk, I never even did it once. You can just reflect and then know that the next day you have another opportunity to do it again. And ideally, that way we start to live with more intentionality day in, day out. It's like exercise, but for your brain. Have you ever recorded a meditation album? A meditation album? Yeah. You should check out I my would, Christmas album. <laughs> I would I'll definitely listen to that. Hear, I just like, thing. as you were speaking, I, mm-hmm. my phone. Yeah, I was just, like. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say, like, working in the studio, you hear the voices of all the teachers, and you're just like, well, that person's so delicious. <laughs> like, you can hear it even just, like, if you're not sitting in class, and you're just like, mm, I love what they're doling out. That's, well, we love what you guys are doling out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for for creating this space. I feel that um, it's something that, you know, they always say the coasts start the trends. Mm. And I think the having a place to go to practice this type of work is uh, kind of the next, the next, next. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, thank you. Mm. (laughs) you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Why don't you tell us where Mindful is so anyone in New York City or visiting can pop by? It's located in the heart of Greenwich Village on 10 East at 10 East 8th Street between 5th and University in the ground floor. And do meditation studios participate in social media? <laughs> we actually true, we, do. Mm-hmm. we do. Our Instagram is we do. Off right now. Um, our handle is at mindful meditation. Yeah. So it's at M N D F L meditation. Wonderful. Cool. And we'll cool. link to you guys your website mm-hmm. and Thanks. your socials on that's a retrograde.com backslash blog. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Check, Check it, it out, out. guys. <laughs> yes, that's a retrograde. It's that time, the New York edition of Roses and Thorns. New York City. Uh-huh. Center of the universe. Sing it, girl. Times are shitty, but I'm pretty sure they can't get worse. Okay, we're going to stop now, worlds. It will never stop. It's a comfort to know. <laughs> Literally, all we've been doing is singing Rent since You know a really fun we're holiday so tradition that Stephanie and I have, and this is an actual fact, that on Christmas Day, we have a rent sing-along after a boozy brunch, and mm-hmm. then we go to the Abbey mm-hmm. and dance our faces off. Although this year, Elizabeth's abandoning me on Christmas, I which know. I'm not ready to speak about. I know. So we'll talk about it in another episode. Yeah. Um, roses and thorns, what you got, Roses Steph? and thorns. Okay, my rose today. So as we are in New York, we're staying with a friend. And this morning, as we were getting ready, he was... Shout out on air to Trailer Hunt Hewitt for housing these fools. Thank you so much for having us. Your apartment is amazing and magical. Yeah. Um, but as we're getting ready, he's reading us, was reading us the news off Paper Magazine. And my rose that I heard is um, the Pope released some prog rock. That's prog rock. I think prog stands for progressive. Okay. <laughs> In my head, I thought it was prog the place. No. Yeah, no. I think it's a progressive rock progressive album. Progressive rock album. Mm-hmm. It's a rose just because, I mean. We listen to it. Do we have to say why or is it just something that everyone should check out? It's kind check of like weird ambient like let's meditation say, music with a guy with a really thick Italian accent. Yeah, let's just say it's not bad. It's not bad. Definitely not bad. If someone like remixed it, like a dubstep remix Pope Prague Rock, I feel like I would really get down. The Italian accent really helps. It's mm-hmm. soothing. It's nice. I'm, I love it. I'm with you. Thank you, Pope Francis. Um, What's yours? Well, this is something that you had kind of dialed me into. Okay. This web series that I feel like all of our listeners will be so into. So be here now. Be here now. Yes. Major Rose. Major Rose. So good. Stephanie was on the bandwagon. I binged on it the other day. It's just, so funny. We're going to link them on the website. Go, just check it out. Trust us. 
And I think that maybe we can like manifest destiny to get them on the show mm-hmm. to talk about it. I feel like so that's this is like in a two parter. I'm seeing I'm in s- the crystal ball of that's a retrograde that we they will be our guests sometime quite soon. And then also New York side rows too. Okay. Swerve, side rows. <laughs> I had the most incredible lasagna of my entire life last night. In the middle of eating this lasagna, she goes, I want this to be my last meal. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She's part like, one, no, I said it's a part of it. And then she goes, you know, like, if I was on death row, <laughs> like, why would you be on death row? <laughs> you just gotta, like, you, you never know. know. You just gotta know. So you have part one, and we haven't decided what your other two well, parts no, are. Well, and bagel is for sure a part right. of it. I want to go to Russ and Daughter is really bad. Okay. And the other New York side rows is I got to go check out the Bergdorf windows that are decorated for the holidays. And she came back with one tiny tear in her I eye. had talk about like <laughs> gentle crying. Like, I really had that moment. If anyone has seen uh, Bury My Ashes in Bergdorf's great documentary, it does a nice little focus on the history of those windows. And it was really special. I never got to see them in person before. Amazing. So that was wonderful. Amazing. Do you have a thorn? I for do us? have a thorn. Okay. I have a New York thorn. All right. <sighs> I don't want to throw shade. <laughs> However. I know. I feel like I know where this is going. I, last night, was performing a stand-up comedy set at The Stand, which is, if you guys haven't been there, you should check it out. It's a great comedy club um, on, like, East 20th Really fun 3rd. comedy club. Great, great club. Um, always have just the best comics there, and I love performing there. And the host is a good friend of mine, and there was, like, gaggle. Of girls. Of girls that were there to see him. A current girlfriend and an ex-girlfriend. And they had this, like, weird competitive friendly thing happening between them, which was, like, totally creepy. So they decided to, like, so get become friends. Become, but, like... During it, the show. Yeah, like, so they sat down in the back so of this comedy club, which is by the... The stand isn't, like, Caroline's. Like, it's a oh. tiny room. So if, if you're there, we know you're there. And they're, like talking so loudly it's like it's this guy's show and they're talking which is already like the most disrespectful thing that I've ever seen so then our friend trailer turns around and it's like shh and like kind of like tries to make them shut up which they took a lot of issue with so then I go to the bathroom like maybe two minutes later and one of the chicks is in there and she's drunk and she has like a straw with like a a spitball apparently on it which I haven't seen since I was seven years old and she's like I'm gonna go back in there I'm going to shoot this spitball at that guy that told us to shut up. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you should do that. People are so insane. And she's like, why not? And I was like, well, you know, because of how, like, we're adults. And, like, that's not a thing that people who are grown humans. <laughs> this isn't an episode of Boy Meets World. Like, <laughs> yeah, because, <what? laughs> yeah, you know, how we're adults and that's, like, a thing that you don't do. And then she's like, you're right. And then I go back, sit down, and ten minutes later, they're fucking spitting spitballs at the back of Shoulder's head during a comedy show. I'm like, it was almost, like, so ridiculous that I, I couldn't get angry because I was in shock. Yeah. But my thorn is, like, if you want to be an asshole and not pay attention in a show, I get it. We live in an ADD generation. Like, don't go to the show. Like, don't make it about you. You're yeah. just having, you have no respect for what's happening. And if you feel like you need to talk, go do that. No one's, like, forcing you to be... In a fucking comedy show. It's like a lack of awareness. I couldn't be mean. I couldn't, you know. Yeah. I I just, that's not really my vibe, but I was shocked that that's how human beings behave themselves in public still at this age in this time. Thorn. New York City. Bitches. Yeah, I'll agree with that, Thorn. I mean, I feel bad that I said that. Was that a bad Thorn? No, I think that it really, like, it's about, like, just being aware of the space around us, and it's a good reminder that, like, 
And Not even, everyone cares about your conversation and your weird rivalry. And you know what? I think what the thorn is for me more than their behavior, honestly, is that my friend who I really care about, who is a good guy, who has a good heart, like, is involved with these girls. I'm just like, I literally woke up and I was like, do I need to have a talk with him today? And she's like, no, <laughs> that's not your business. Yeah. It's like not my business, but I want to be like, babe, you can't be dealing with that. Right. But not your business. But maybe he, that's what he needs to do. I don't know. I'm at a loss for a thorn right now, but I feel like we should mention that was a big rose for us. We released our first video this week. Yay! I don't know if you guys caught it yet, but um, we decided that... Our services were needed. In this, this world. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if anyone's ever Googled how to roll a joint. It's not that cute. It's not a cute experience. It's like some crunchy guy in their basement being depressing and stonery. And, and they're also extremely long. And Right. And the thing is, I'll have to tell, tell you this about my, my dear friend Stephanie. That's me. She is an excellent joint roller. Thank you. It is really a skill <laughs> of all skills. I'm like, an artist. The... The swiftness and precision in which this girl rolls a joint, it's like... (laughs) Marry me! (laughs) Exactly. exactly. And she's single, you guys. (laughs) It's wonderful. So we decided that we needed to be of service Mm -hmm. and help help everybody who has access to the internet become acquainted with this excellent joint rolling technique. And also, I was just really sick of always being the go-to person. That too. Like, Elizabeth would be like, can you roll me a tiny joint? And I'm like, I'm not sorry. Have you seen the video? (laughs) Now she can just be like, here, watch this. Yeah. May I refer you to my YouTube page? And, you know, we just really like the festive time that the holidays provide. So we thought, why not tie it in to uh, give it a holiday theme? Mm Mm-hmm. So that you can find on our website and also if you Google it. Yeah. Yeah. You you'll, you can find it. Just yeah. how to roll a joint. Yeah. DIY. It was really fun to make. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, it was actually like a 10-minute long full script that Stephanie and I wrote. I want to thank everyone, our guy friends, who submitted their clips. We had asked them to submit some funny little bits that we didn't end up using. Maybe but we'll release it. I think we should side release it because they're so funny. They're Sandy really funny. Danto, Julio Gallerati, Dan Madonia. Joey Greer. Joey Greer. Thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. But They're yeah, it was really fun, and we hope you guys like it. It was so fun for us to do. Stephanie and I have uh, a history of doing some fun comedic sketch videos, and it, this was our first one for that retrograde. So super stoked about that. Speaking of video, yes, we in New York City will be filming an episode of Andy Cohen Watch What Happens Live. We are going to be the guest bartenders. Which is, you guys don't know this, but that was Elizabeth's. 2015 manifestation. Okay, so I do this every year, December 31st, I spend the day writing, and I reflect on the whole year, and I kind of just free write, and like anything that comes to mind, there's, it's like a culmination of, of reflection and manifestation and what I, where I see the next year going, and I ju- there's a random bullet point on there that just says, Andy Cohen, watch what happens live. And now it's happening. Mm-hmm. Just just getting it in there the, the final month of the year. Don't know why I wrote that. I think I felt like I felt it in our bones. Yeah, it was coming. It was coming. So, so we're really excited for that. Or so maybe I thought I was going to be a real housewife this year. Who knows? Eh, I thought I was going to fuck one of the guys on Vanderpump Rules. That's what it was. That's <laughs> Remember what it when was. I met Jax? Yeah. And he tried to fuck you. He tried to fuck me too. Uh, so gross. 
I was like, no. Such foul language coming from me. I don't so understand sorry. why he would want to sleep with me after my introduction to him was literally me being like, you need to be a better person. <laughs> like, I was so drunk gross. at the upfronts and I was like, let me tell you something Brandy about your Julie. life. Brandy and Julie, who are our friends that host the Vanderpump Rules after show. Yeah. We had this whole thing last year where we would go to pump and hang out and just get our pictures taken with all of them. This is before they had the pump rules after show, by the way. They were just freaks for the show. Yeah. And um, they told me that I denied Jax, but I don't remember it. Yeah, but that was a whole longer story that was gross. Where they're like, oh my God, Elizabeth totally had the opportunity to go back to Jack's house and do so much coke with him. And she said, no. What's wrong with her? I was like, a, a lot is right with her, obviously. Yeah, I'm almost, I, at the time I was 29, I was like a new kind of girl. Yeah. Not into that stuff. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Anyway, so that was a tangential uh, Bravo fandom moment. Yeah, but we're really excited. Super excited. So tune into that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we just are excited to hold space. For the alcohol that we're going to be drinking. Exactly. And on that note, I guess my only thorn would be um, the bagel and a half I ate today that really dragged me down. That was my thorn, too, because I kept thinking that you were really mad at me for no reason, <laughs> like, because I, I had no idea, but I just kept being like, are you okay? What's wrong? Like, what did I do? I like, I'm just so tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this, like, L.A. body just isn't used to, like, that much carbs in the morning. It's a well, nighttime thing. Not to be rude, but I don't feel like anyone should eat a bagel and a half. Right. <laughs> like, stop <Noted>. it, one. <laughs> They're just so good, you guys. Yeah, no, we, we know. It's about balance. Yeah. So I'm going to have some pizza after we do this. Perfect. Thank you, New York. You've no, been good. No, I don't want to eat pizza. Don't make me. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> um, but what a fun show. Yeah, this was awesome. If you guys are in New York, check out Mindful. It's really beautiful. We had a lovely experience yeah, there. Yeah, we hope to do it again uh, one one more time while we're here. Mm-hmm. And um, again, happy Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Celebrate it with with gusto. We appreciate you, Maccabees, or at least one of us does. I'm into you too, Maccabees. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Um, <laughs> this is That's So Retrograde. You yeah. can find us on at So Retrograde on your various social media options and that's so retrograde at gmail.com. Which we check. And I'm Elizabeth Cott. I'm Stephanie Sambari. Namaste. Bye. Yes, that's a retrograde!